you know people like you get, they're so busy you're so tired like ha- like have sex with your wife i am so glad you're willing to talk about this dude if you're not having sex a lot you are screwing up when was the last time you just prioritized an evening for the two of you Oh, gosh, we haven't done that in years. Like, you wonder why you two don't like each other. Ding, 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 ding. Get ready to tune in to stories of average men striving for greatness to become the leaders that are needed in their homes, in their career, and their communities. This is the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Scott, obviously. And I'm super excited about this episode. I have with me my new friend, Josh Wilson. And uh, Josh and I met just maybe a month ago. And I was introduced to him, or he was introduced to me, one or the other, through a mastermind we're in. And we hit it off really quick. And a lot of, uh, a lot of synergy, in my opinion. He's a father, which is cool. He's a business owner, which you all know. I'm, I dig business ownership. Uh, I'm all about that. Uh, I believe he's a believer and we can get into that too. Sure. And, um, and then we have some similar similarities in our older son's paths. And so I'm super excited about, about talking and digging into that too. Welcome to the show, Josh. Hey, Scott, thanks a lot. I'm excited to one, know you and, and get to do this and talk family and biz and whatever else may come. So thank you for having me. And we got to get you on the big dog podcast soon. Yeah. And, you know, Big Dog Podcast, which is kind of like a dual name. Um, you own some canine training businesses. We do. That's our main thing. We're in several um, kind of aspects of the pet industry, but our main thing and what's always been the main thing for us, at least the last 10 years, is dog training. And that's off-leash canine training. We've got trainers across the country and, you know, Take good dogs, make them great. Take really not great dogs and make them good. So that's what I'll tell do. you what, uh, when I first met you, I did not know that. And you told me and I got super excited because my dog went to an off-leash canine, um, a local one here. Yeah. And man, I tell everybody, like, how dare you not send your dog to one of these these schools? Or, you know, mine went with the trainer for two weeks at yeah. his house, at his home. Um, and the biggest, the biggest missing link in his behavior is me sure you- <laughs> absolutely absolutely but but i uh we have an we we have our city has a no off leash policy okay and i go for a 45 minute walk every single morning and he's on leash for about two minutes yeah because he will come as soon as i say come he will heal he'll sit and um, even with my deficiencies in in you know how i operate with him he is phenomenal and that is 100% the training and i think people like they go oh it's so expensive or it's like you know whatever and i'm like dude one that bill from your dog running away from you getting hit by a car you paid for this thing easily easily I mean, and i'm people sure you have been all sorts more of on outfits for their dogs a year <laughs> if they if they drop the cost of the training and kind of you know break that down you know, prorated out over the life of the dog, it's nothing. It's it's nothing. And the quality of life, the return on it. I mean, honestly, I think I should charge five to six times more than we do. But I would say, like, we're expensive, but we're not your normal dog trainers. The results are not typical. 
our result results are typical, but it's not typical for what people expect from the industry. And um, it's great team, really great human beings. And, you know, they're just passionate about the dogs and we want to make the dogs great. And we need to make the dogs really, really, really great so that when their owners get a hold of them and are jacking it up, um, you know, the dogs understand what's going on enough to where they can help save the owners from themselves. Yeah. I'll tell you what, this morning I was out and I go early in the morning. So it's dark. No one else is out really. Yeah. Right. Like that's how I can be off leash. And we're in a big park most of the time. And my dog, this is the difference for y'all. My dog and I are walking and it's very dark and he just all of a sudden turns around and sits next to me and starts to growl. I'm like, what? And I, I turn around and a runner had come up behind us yeah. and kneeled down to tie a shoe. And I was like, you know, if he hadn't have been trained, he probably just would have darted after that guy. Yeah, absolutely. But he knows that when anytime I'm like, there's anything going on, I'm like, sit. And he'll just, boom, he'll sit. Yeah. So he knows. But I saw that protective angle. It was really cool. And I thought, well, he, my kids walk him. They're older. But still, you want my wife walks him when I'm out of town, which gives me a lot of comfort that she's out with a dog that is obedient and as well as protective. So, like, just the way that that could pay back in itself is immense. Yeah, a, a well-trained dog, whether it's us, and there's there's so many wonderful dog trainers and dog training businesses out there. And I think that, you know, most people love dogs. Most people, you know, have a dog or more. And the investment in their training um, is something that just from a quality of life standpoint, stress reduction, quality of life of not just the dog, but the, the families and the owners, it's massive. And the thing that's fun is like, Hey, you get this dog, you want this family companion and you say it's family, but what other member of your family do you leave at home all day long? Do you leave outside all day long? Do you leave in the crate all day long? None of them. So this is a member of your family and you actually want to go places and do things with them. You got to set them up for success and you got to start that early. And Mm. it's just like with our kids, you know, we can't leave our kids locked up in our homes for 10 years and then decide, Hey, let's take them out in public. And then we get pissed off because they're acting like idiots. They're scared of everything. Every noise triggers them. And you've got these kids that are acting wild. And most of the time it's because the kids weren't taken out early on because what a baby might cry in a restaurant. You know, who gives a shit? Take the dog out, take the baby out. This is how we learn how to do life like normal human beings. Oh, uh, but you got to prep Preach, them, right? <laughs> you got to prep them. You got to prep them. Yeah. So it was really cool to me that you ended up being a client of off leash. And I, I got involved with off leash because I was a client. Mm. I'd always trained my own dogs, had my own dogs, but I got into bird hunting and I'd seen my buddy's labs working in the fields. I always had shepherds and Rottweilers growing up and I saw their labs working. And when our Rottweiler passed away, I was like, Oh boy, I, I need to get me one of these gun dogs. Holy crap, man. It was the biggest mistake I'd ever made. I got exactly what I wanted, but I didn't know how to deal with it. Lots of energy. Yeah. Yeah. I had no clue. And training that dog was very different than training the personality of of a Rottweiler or a Shepherd. And um, it was tough. And that's how I got connected with Off Leash. I I was a pretty good client. They recognized, you know, kind of my skills and efforts that I put in. And they talked to me about opening a a franchise. And I thought I would train a dog or two a month, you know, make a couple extra bucks. At the time I was the executive pastor of a big church out here in Virginia and loving what I was doing. And 10 years later, we run the largest dog training business in the country. 
and it's a wild, wild time in between start and finish. But, you know, I was just a client who needed help with my dog. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? You, you brought up something I'm really super passionate about and that was exposing your kids, just like your dogs to scenarios because we need to teach them how to act. So here's the parallels I draw and you can, you can. Uh, pipe in when you want sure is one kids will act out until they find where the line is where mm-hmm. where you where their line of safety like okay they will push the boundaries and you see kids pushing the boundaries and being assholes and everything Absolutely. all the time because they don't know no one said that's that is the fine that is the line in the sand we do not pass yeah dogs are the same way right we have to assert this level this place where oh no we do not do that yeah um and they will they will go crazy until they hit that line. And then they're like, Oh, there's safety there. Mm-hmm. I know there's safety, my parents. But the other thing is, is I grew up with a, um, a lot of my friends were in a, in a very like little, uh, Christian school where everything was super structured Yeah, and they weren't really exposed to real world. They went to youth group. They went to youth Christian school. They did sports with Christians. Cause I don't have any problem with Christian schools whatsoever or yeah. homeschooling. But what I noticed is in that culture, their parents were protecting them from everything worldly. And they got out and it was, they had no clue. My, my roommate in college was one. He had no clue how to, how to live life. He was like, whoa, alcohol, whoa, porn, whoa, chicks. I mean, it was like wheels off. Well, it's (laughs) wild because the thing is, I think so many people go, particularly with all the craziness that is in our world right now. And I think people get confused between, uh, they confuse protection with preparation and it's not the same. I cannot protect my kids from this world. I can't. I cannot. There's going to come a point where, and it's pretty damn soon. My daughter turns 16 next month and, you know, she's going to want to drive. And we're already having conversations about how, hey, sweetheart, what you're allowed to do when you get this freedom that you undoubtedly have earned and deserve. It's going to be different than your brother the last couple of years, who's a couple of years older than you. You know, no one is out here on the, and we don't operate in fear. We operate with awareness. Okay. But when my family is out and about, my son's six, three, he sounds like me when he's talking, he don't look like me, but you know, he's, he's slender and tall, but he's a big guy. No one's thinking, Hey, let me snatch this guy up in this van and roll on down the road. Now my daughter, different story. You know, there's, there's just predators. There's people out there. They're not good people. And they're looking for these opportunities. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's things I may have let my son do that I'm not going to let my woman, my woman, my daughter do. And it's not because I think lesser of her. I just am preparing her for reality. And if I don't talk to her about it, the time to talk to her about is not when she's strapped up in the back of a van being hauled away somewhere, you know? And so how are kids supposed to be prepared to deal with things if you, if you don't expose them to anything? And it's, it's that part where, to your point, the protection of some of these schools and how they're modeled, the homeschooling piece, it's like, I get it. I get it. If my kids were young right now, we probably would do a homeschool type alternative, but they're towards the finish line. Logan walks in 50 days. He's done. Preparation. Protection is not preparing them. If anything, that what we it's a false protection, and we're creating this this is ignorance for our kids when they're going to have to be on their own. You know, we have alcohol over my house. 
I like wine. I like tequila. I have alcohol around. She's like, well, when are you going to lock that up? The kids, their friends come over. I said, I'm not. My kids know the deal. And if, if, if my kids said, Hey, can I try that? Guess what? I'm going to have a sip of my thing. And they're going to say, Oh God, that's disgusting. You know, it, it's, it's the reality. And the, the thing is, I trust my kids that I've prepared them to make the right decisions. When they make the wrong decision, they know there's going to be accountability and we're going to talk through it, but there's no bad decision they're going to make where they're going to choose not to call me to come help them out of it because we're prepared, I, man, right? We, we align so much on this and, and this is the, um, the place where I really want men to really tune in, especially with younger kids. And I'm the same way with you. My kids are at the, at the finish line. If they weren't, I was public school teacher for years, okay. but I started to see that writing on the wall. That's why I left. Yeah. I had my day of reckoning with the, with the principal in the office and told him everything I thought of public education, <laughs> where it was going. And it was glorious, but my boys are, at the, my, my youngest is at the tail end of this. And, um, we would, there would hands down, we'd be homeschooling at this point. Of course yeah. we'd be involving him in all the things. But I love how Jordan Peterson says, you know, let your kids do dangerous things carefully. Mm-hmm. And when we let them do dangerous things or experience the world, it is all about preparation. Yep. Yep. And, and one thing that I have learned that's really hard for me, but I make, I do this prayer every day is I pray that God will give my boys failures and challenges. Yeah. And because I know the power of, of, that but but i know the power of that when they're in the home and they have that support system and we can walk them through it because they're going to fail they're going to have really bad things happen to them yeah. when they get out of the home and that's all that preparation so i love that you brought this up because i'm so passionate about that yeah. and i made a, a real while back and talked about would you rather have your kids safe or more of a thinker and a guy just went off on me because i said i would rather them be good thinkers He's like, well, your kids are going to get kidnapped and put into child, you know, sex trafficking. I was, whoa, wait, wait. No, I'm training them to be thinkers. And sometimes that that means that we're going to remove them from like crawling up on the, you know, a high spot. Like it's good for them. It stretches their mind. It lets them know what their boundaries are. But anyways, I love this conversation. Yeah. So you have a 16 year old girl, which obviously is way different than raising a boy. You have an 18 year old. Is your <laughs> yeah. son is Logan 18? Yeah, Logan's 18. Yeah. 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 I have boys. And my first my, my oldest 18 is I'm driving him to Montana to live for five months here in two weeks. Wow. And I've, I've been wanting to push him out of the nest. And he stayed home to do internship with me, and we're going to sure. dig into that a little bit. He stayed home to learn about business, he st- and he's been working. It's been phenomenal. He's read more books than I read in my whole college career. Um, but I'm driving him up to Montana, and I'm starting to to really, like, this sucks. I'm going to miss my boy. Yeah, This sucks. But I can't even imagine doing that with a girl. So here's the funny thing about my kids. You know, we have the two. And that was kind of always the plan. And my wife and I wanted to have them early. And, you know, we, we graduated college and, you know, we were pregnant with my son about two years out of college. And, you know, we, we knew like, Hey, all right, they can be off to college by the time we're in our mid forties and baby, we're going to have a lifetime, you know, to still do things that we want to do. And not that our kids have kept us from doing anything. We try to include them in so much, but we, I really love and enjoy my wife. She's my best friend. And, you know, we, we want to have that time together and I want to, God willing, I'm a, an active, young, involved grandparent at some point. 
And so, you know, my mom was early 20s when she had me. My grandmother was 18 when she had her. So, like, my kids have a massive relationship with their great, great, or with their great grandmother. Like, that's insane. My son has memories of going camping with his great grandmother um, that are vivid memories because he was old enough for them and these experiences, which mimic the experiences I had with my grandmother when I was his age. And so, you know, a lot of people do a lot of things differently for us. The the numbers just lined up, the math lined up to where, you know, in the health of my, my grandmother, you know, she's got another 10 years in her easy. I say that she might not feel that way, but I say she's got 10 years in her easy. The reality is she, even if Logan waited longer than my wife and I for kids, you know, it, it, Kiki does, they could, she could meet her great, great grandchild. And I love that longevity of my family and, and what they have and those relationships and those memories that are there. But the thing that's funny is, you know, with, with my son versus my daughter, my son is my wife, his personality, mm-hmm. how he thinks, how he, she would disagree with that as a teenage boy right now, where he's at sometimes, you know, but it, <laughs> his personality, he is so caring. He is so thoughtful. He, he is a servant. He, um, he just, he's always looking out for other people. He is so empathetic. It's like, he is an amazing human being. Like, I love this dude. He is, he is probably the best human being I know, second only to my wife. And that is how they're wired. That is the DNA. Then there's Kiki and she is her father's daughter. Um, and it hurts my feelings most days. Uh, she is very direct. She can come off as cold. She is focused. She is independent. Whereas Logan wants to be very involved in our business and figure out how his interests can align as he goes off to start his career and his next phase. My daughter, I can try to create every opportunity under the sun. And the fact that it's my idea, screw you, pops. Like, I don't need you. I don't need your credit card. I don't need your money. I'm just going to do my own thing. And I love all of that because she's so confident. Like my daughter is not this weak female. She is a strong, confident female who happens to break her daddy's heart every other day. And it's not because she's trying to, it's just, she communicates how I do. And for people who aren't wired like us, it can be hurtful. And if she wasn't my daughter, I would receive her communication in a completely unemotional way, but it's hard. And I try to Like, I trust her so much, but it is terrifying just knowing the the different parameters for a young woman versus a six foot three dude who's just a couple years older, right? Um, So so we're scared, but I'm confident in the preparation. I'm also confident in knowing that I'm going to piss her off having conversations with her and that she may be upset and bothered by it in that moment, but I also know she's going to walk away and keep thinking about it. And when she decides she comes to it on her own, she'll get an alignment because it's the best scenario and the best idea. But it, she just goes about it a different way. Whereas my son, I really got to protect because if I say, son, I want you to do X, he will go do X and he will do X forever. So while he's trying to figure out what his next steps look like, we've really been investing in opportunities for him to experience different aspects of the business. And then just standing back and shutting up to see what he kind of gravitates towards. That's 
a really awesome plan. And I love, I love that you identified the differences in your kids. A lot of people I think struggle with this. You're, you're, if you have two kids, they're going to be night and day almost exclusively. My, my boys are the same way. And like my oldest, who's 18, who he stayed home from college. He didn't go to college. He's like, I don't want to go to college. I don't know what I want to do. I want to own my own business. That's not going to help me. So he stayed home with intentions of interning with me. Well, I was at this place where my business is run entirely by a remote team. Yeah. I'm like, like I do sales and I do relationship and I kind of pull, you know, the marionette strings and it was really, really difficult, really difficult. But what we learned is, and I knew this ahead of time was his, he operates so differently than me. Very in the box. He wants to be entrepreneur, but he's his mom. Yep. Very box, you know, like you do this, then you do this and then you do this. So it was chaos watching me work. It was yeah. chaos. He was exposed to amazing things, came to meetings with me, came to MDM um, last year with me and, you know, some, just some really cool experiences, but we had to let him just do his thing. Right. And he, he's, he's launched a, um, an online like shop for shirts and he built a brand yeah you know and he's and he's doing things and it was like as soon as i took my hands off but if i were to take him in and do a project in the house like a couple a month ago i had to do mold remediation in our house we had a big disaster yeah and it would be like he would just stand there and no this is just what you you have to know your kids he would just stand there until i like dude do something like hold this for me (laughs) and then the holding would be super awkward like no like put some muscle into it this kid's this kid's jacked. He's works out. And, um, so I'm like, you know, I'm going to let him do what he wants to do that day. And I'm going to have my 15 year old come work with me. That was insane. I've, I mean, he, I've watched him work, but I literally had to hardly tell him anything. He'd watch what I do and start doing it. Yeah. And as soon as I was involved in like, I was doing some fine work and he's all, I, I turn around and he's just hauling stuff outside just make it a pile. Yep. Like not, did not stop for a second. That's how I work. Just boom, yep. boom, boom. And I was like, wow, there's strength, so much strength in each of their, of their differences. Yeah. And I know he's, he wants to, he wants to intern with me and I'm like going, dude, like we're going to prop up a landscaping business. We're going to prop up right. something because you're a doer and we're going to get that going. We're going to build that. Yeah. You're going to be off to the races, but it's just, you have to know your kids differences and and embrace those yeah. and give them the opportunities needed and within it took, those differences it was hard like as kiki is is 16 next month but she has always been very mature very mature very um confident outspoken um so we've kind of treated her a little older than she actually is for a long time logan typical boy you know you're a little more immature or it's like uh, does a light on type moments type deal. And we were all there and I'm still there probably half the time, who knows, but it took me a while to figure out like, Oh man, I kind of need to like back up and let go because I am that doer. I am nonstop. People may look from the outside in and say, this is chaos. Devin, how do you even deal with this guy? All these things. But to me, it all makes sense. To me, it all makes sense. In, in my office here, you can kind of see the glass going down, I guess, the right or left side of me, however it is on the screen. And then I have glass all in front of me here. And there's stuff written everywhere. And people will come in and some people get stressed out by it. For me, I can glance. It's perfect sense. It's no big deal. I look at my uh, browser that's open and I think I have 56 tabs open right now. <laughs> my wife 
would, would lose her mind. Whereas for me, I know exactly where each one is. They're lined up and I can get things done. It's not, it's just how we're wired differently. And so Logan says, I'm interested in landscaping. All right. Just playing out the example you gave. I have to stop myself because within 14 days, we will have a landscaping business. And that's not what I need to do. Right. And so it's, he, he's been running with me for so long. The kids have always been running with us and involved. And I have to let him do those parts. He's got to do those things. Yes. He needs to get the lessons learned. He needs to benefit from your kids need to benefit from the lessons you and your wife have learned in life to give them a little bit of a head start. And maybe they can jump from, you know, B to F a little quicker than most people are figuring it out on their own, but they still got to figure those parts out or they're never going to, in my opinion, they're never going to feel like it's theirs. It's just something my dad set up for me. And that's the part that I've really tried to get disciplined on because I, Logan wants to work with us. He wants to be in the business. He wants to run the business one day. Okay. There's a lot to learn, but I need to make sure he can't do that if he doesn't know how to build. And he's got to know how to build. He can't just go sit in the office next door, get a paycheck, and check boxes that I'm giving him. He's got to learn how to build. And so that's why we're trying to let him find his interest. And he may realize, guess what? Working for dad sucks. My <laughs> friends seem to be having a great time in college. I'm a brilliant guy. I crush every test. I go to any college I want to. I need to get out of here. Right. And that's okay too. I love that perspective. And the the that's what we realized through the process is like, I don't, he doesn't need to be checking boxes for me. Right. Actually, that's what he wanted. His personality is like, give me a to-do list. I'm like, I'm running on high octane juice. I'm right. just rolling, 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 rolling. And I realized like he's never going to know how to operate without taking orders, mm-hmm. without just doing something on his own yeah. and digging in, learning, failing, succeeding, whatever it is. And that's where the real growth came. So Logan is going to be working for you. This is a real interesting conversation because um, I just got off the phone last week with a with a guy who just took over a deck of million dollar um, business. Wow. I mean, it's big. It's oil business in Canada. There's also, and he just launched a trucking business and it's outgrowing the oil business, but it's like three generations old. And I'm like, well, dude, how do you, how do you come in and make it your own thing? Yeah. And that's a big, have you thought through that? Like as Logan is interested in your business, how that looks. So there's a couple of things that, that come to play. So since Logan's probably 14, he's been, well, even younger than that. I mean, really from the start, they've been involved. You know, they've always been cleaning kennels. They've always been cleaning up the yards. They've always been letting the dogs out for potty breaks, you know, and, and when it's appropriate, you know, depending on the animals and stuff. When we moved into our facilities and there was all the construction and the prep, they had the worst jobs. You know, they're out there picking up nails and screws. And, you know, the, the most recent facility we built out was a junkyard. And then a landscaper was there for like eight years. And all they did was store all of their debris and crap in the back three acres. And I've got to provide an environment that's safe for animals to walk around and be. So, I mean, they're out there picking up rocks that are too big because the sod won't go down. They're out there looking for nails, pieces of metal, pieces of glass. I mean, they spent months doing this. They did doing that. Logan, you know, we had a contract with a couple of neighborhoods around ours where we would do poop pickup. We had contracts on pet waste, you know, management. 
and we had a golf cart and he would take that golf cart every week and he would go and service those neighborhoods and pick up nasty trash cans overflowing with trash and drinks and rain and spiders and dog shit. And, you know, he's having to pull these bags and replace them and clean the stands, the stations and clean up around the area and then haul these nasty bags you know, back to the dumpsters. And then he got his license. He could start driving. So we retired the golf cart. Now he's in his truck and driving and doing these things. So I try to give my kids the shittiest jobs, literally within our organization. And that's what they get to experience. And if they still want to kind of be around, we're like, okay, we'll get a little less shitty. You know, and as our teams grow up and they got a little older and our staffs grew, you know, it's like, why are we here on Saturday? like mowing the lawn and picking up trash and cleaning up around the facility. Why are we, don't you have people? This is Kiki. Okay. And I'm like, (laughs) yes, we have lots of people and they need to know that we'll do literally anything that's required. And our great staff is doing their jobs right now. And us doing this is going to help them to focus on the animals more today versus going around tightening up the facility. So we're going to do that today. So we spring days like that several times a year on them and it's, it's coaching, right? It's teaching. It's not me looking for, you know, free labor. It's, it is that, but then we get the coaching part of it too. Cause I knew Logan would rather be with his friends. Kiki would rather literally be doing anything else besides that. And we just got to go do it and it sucks. And, you know, we've been very fortunate. Our kids are pretty dialed in. They're pretty respectful I remember a couple of years ago, Kiki copped a real bad attitude with her mom, really got out of character and tone. It's like 15 degrees. We're in the middle of construction. There's no heat at the facility. There's no anything. I throw her in the car and she spent hours just walking around with a bucket. And I'm like, what she goes, What do you want me to do? I said, I want you to look for screws. And she walked three and a half acres for hours. And the contractors are there they're like, Josh, you're so mean. Put, take that little girl home. Do whatever. I said, no, no, no. She got smart with her mom. We don't do that. We don't do that. I've never hit my kids, right? But they know that I'm crazy and they know that I'm off. And it's like, there's this healthy, you were talking about that line, right? Mm -hmm. The line of safety is really far away. There's a whole lot of margin with me with that line of safety. But if you get me to that line, I'm just crazy enough where you might feel like he's my dad. He loves me. He tells me that every day. He may put me in a ditch. You know, it's, and I, I feel like that's healthy. I always felt that about my mom. I surely felt that about my grandmother. You know, there's no doubt you love me, but I'll bury you. I think there's a, there's a real misalignment in the the mindset people have around what you just said. Like people are like, that's dangerous. And you know that, you know, where you would stop, you know, what the line is and you, you have the absolute most love for your kids. You would die for them. I'm sure. hundred percent. But that's in my Humble opinion is missing from our society right now, but we, what you just explained to me, and here, here's where I was going with this, is you, if your son comes in and learns the business and continues and is really engaged and eventually takes it over, he's going to have the absolute most respect from the staff because yes. they saw him picking up dog mm-hmm. shit. They saw him yep. doing the hard work. They Can't knew hand that it from to him. day zero. Yeah. Can't it's hand earned. it to him. It would, it would, it would ruin everything if I just said, "Hey, man, here's your 25 year old CEO, who happens to be my son. I'm gonna go spend all my time in Texas. Y'all keep it going." That's absurd. 
Yeah. And, and companies screw that up all the time, right? All the time. You know, and, and it is. They need to know that he's out here grinding. He's doing whatever. He's taking our trash out every day. And he's around. Because if he truly is passionate and qualified, he's going to have an opportunity to move up just like everybody else. And this is where I think it's important with, with leaders in organizations that have their kids or other family members who are wanting to be involved in their organizations. Your team, your staff, your organization has to know without a doubt that your number one care when it comes to the business is the best interest of the business, not your buddy getting a job, not your family being able to get promoted quicker than other people, but that you promote based on merit, not time. You promote based on execution and you execute for lack of merit and character. You can go up. You can go away. We're going to act quick on all of it. And it's always with nothing more than the best interest of that business and being focused on that vision and that mission that whatever your organization has is laid out. So if, if my son shows up and he, and he is that guy, there's going to be an opportunity for him. But if he's not that guy, I will do my best to make sure there's an opportunity for what is a good fit for him if it's in the best interest of my business. Because he can so, go do anything to make money. Yeah. Doesn't mean I got to tank my business because he's got to make money here. That is so good. And that's what uh, will make him successful in whatever he does, whether it's your business or not. Yeah. I've, had the, I've had the honor, and it, it truly is an honor, of meeting some of your staff. Phenomenal. You've Thank built you. an incredible, the ones I've met, an absolute incredible team. Thank Passionate, you. responsive, respectful, leaders. Yeah. Like they speak their mind, but they're, they're respectful about it. They know what they want. They know what, one thing I noticed is they know the values and mission and vision for the company, yeah. which is huge. So I, one, I wanted to lift you up with that. And I wanted Thank to talk you. a little bit about that. Cause I think you've explained that through the family model yeah. and you just kind of, and we have a lot of business owners that listen to this podcast Sure, and I don't, this isn't on accident, Josh, you yeah. haven't built this amazing business and multiple businesses to my understanding yeah. without having some lessons in leadership and then putting this strong team in place just doesn't happen on its own. Well, yeah. And I, I really do appreciate that. And I'll shout them out, Katie and Peyton, who you've been dealing with a lot <laughs> and they've been with me a while. Katie, I've known for about gosh, 13 years now. And she was my assistant for my last year when I was working at the church, um, mm -hmm. when I was overlapping between the two. And then I hired her away from there about a year after I left uh, to be my assistant and um, she was terrible. She sucked. I mean, it was just, she was great as an admin in the church environment, but private, it was an absolute mess. I moved too fast. It was just, it wasn't fair. It wasn't the right fit. And in mm -hmm. fairness to her, I've gone through a lot of assistants over the years. And the problem isn't the assistants. The problem is me. Uh, so, you know, but <laughs> now she's a COO. She runs the whole thing. The stuff she was terrible at six years ago, she can do in her sleep right now. And it doesn't matter. She runs the whole shebang. Peyton came on as a lessons trainer part-time, maybe a little over four years ago. Um, and now she's an integral part of our admin team. She's had different roles, but we finally got her into where she can really take off and start to thrive. But one last parallel with, with the kid thing, and it, it works with this transition to the business conversation. I was talking with my attorney on Monday, and we were just catching up and talking about some things we have going on. And she said, we were talking family. And she goes, Josh, 
you know, I, my, Abigail, my daughter, you know, she was, she was a, a lone child and that's hard to be a single child. However, I was the one, I'm the one she'd come to for everything. I was always available, but it was always made very clear. I am not your friend. I am not your buddy. We don't hang out. Like it is not like that. My responsibility is to make sure you are a good human being, period. Now she's 23 years old. She's graduated from college. She's getting married. And she's like, Josh, the cool thing is we're friends now. Because mm-hmm. she's the type of human being that I'd want to be friends with. The respect and value she has for me allows us to really enjoy doing life together in this next phase as adults. Because she's a good human being. But I was always very clear about, I'm not your friend. I'm going to hold you accountable. You're not going to like it. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to teach you, you know, but this is what it takes for you to be a good human being. And Devin and I have always told our kids, I don't care what you do with your life. You're going to be a good human being. You're going to be the very best at what you do, no matter what it is. I don't care what it is, but your work ethic and the fact that you're a good human being will never be able to be questioned, you know, and you're going to be respectful. And so when we, we transition to the business, most of our businesses are centered around dogs or pets. And I am known to hire a lot of people that have no experience with dogs. I could care less what people's experience with dogs are. I can teach the dog stuff very quickly. I can make you a really good dog trainer over a period of time. If you meet the the character attributes that we look for, we can make you exceptional. But if you ask a hundred percent of the people that work for me, the first words out of my mouth are, are you a good human being? Because that's all I care about. And if you're not, I'm going to find out anyway. So let's save time. Are you a good human being? Are you coachable? Are, do you have great work ethic? Are you the type of per- person that operates with integrity? You do the right thing, whether somebody's watching or not. Are you passionate about animals? Can you take critique and criticism? If you're these things, we're going to invite you in. I don't care what your background is. If you're not those things and you have all the dog experience in the world, I don't care to give you a shot because what I can't do is make someone who's a shit bag, not be a shit bag. Right. It's just how it's how they're wired, unfortunately, but a good human being who's coachable and great work ethic. You tell me you're passionate about dogs and this is the path you want to go. Come on. I'm going to give you a shot. And we've got people who were teachers. We got people who were bartenders. We got people who were waitresses. I got people who were college students who were like, I don't want to do this anymore. We've got people who retired military. We've got so many different backgrounds. I've got analysts who were here running around with dogs. And I'm not looking for a dog trainer. I'm looking for good people who are going to buy into what we're about. And you can build whatever. And look at my kids. I'm not looking for a lawyer as a kid. I'm not looking for a surgeon as a kid. I'm not looking for the next CEO as a kid. I don't care. I want my kids to be good human beings. I want them to love and respect me in spite of my flaws. And if I don't show them the flaws, if they think everything's just perfect, whatever, again, coming back to protection isn't preparation. If they think what I do is easy, if your kids think what you do is easy, that's not preparing them because stuff is hard. But if they're those good human beings and they've got that fight, they've got that grit, people will say, they will do fine in life. 
You don't have to worry about being overprotective because they're prepared out the wazoo. And I'm about to find out whether we've done a good job. I'm not sitting here preaching like we've done it right. I screw up shit every single day with my kids. I get out of tone. I get out of pocket. I apologize. It's not that I'm saying we've done it right. I'm about to find out, though. Our our test case is about to be ran. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, man, I'm super passionate about what you just laid down. From the very beginning, I've said you are not called, as a parent, you are not called to raise kids. Mm-hmm. You're called to raise future successful adults who contribute yeah. to society, who are positive, who have good characteristics, yeah. who are contributors. and so many people will raise kids and then, then we run into this problem of entitlement and we run into this problem of no skills. They don't want to drive. They don't want to leave home. They don't want to get married. They don't, it's like, no, like this, how many I love friends that. did you have Scott who didn't want to drive? None, none. I don't understand. <laughs> it blows my mind. My kids, friends don't want to drive. It's crazy. Both my boys are just, we're chomping at the bit. Let's go. And my <laughs> son had a girlfriend and he, she's, he's like, yeah, she's turning 17. I'm like, she doesn't have her license. Yeah. Like what the, what the hell? He's like, yeah, yeah she has no interest in learning how to drive. Yeah. I'm like, you do not have that option. Yeah. This driving is freedom. Driving is baking decisions. Yeah. yeah I don't even and I've it. got some grace with some of the kids. Like I look at the kids schedules right now. You know, and it's like we're in multiple travel sports. I got my school sports. I'm in 48 clubs. I'm in all of these things. And they're like, oh, yeah, so-and-so doesn't have their license yet. I'm like, well, no shit. They don't. Yeah. They they don't need it. They're always in the backseat of the minivan being hauled to Florida or Indiana for whatever tournament. And it's like there's no margin to do anything. And I never thought I would be a travel sport parent. Kiki's tried damn near everything growing up. My kids are interested in stuff. They're going to try it. But she landed on volleyball a couple of years ago in middle school. And she was terrible. And when I say terrible, man, <laughs> she was straight trash. But, you know, she was captain of the JV team. She made varsity as a sophomore. You know, she's on this national travel team now. And the thing is, like, that's what her interest is. She's earned the opportunity to compete at that level. Yeah, we're going to support it and do it. But I'm not trying to plug her into another one. I'm not. She, she practices Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays, twice a month. We're out of the area traveling. We, they were in Atlanta last week, two weekends ago. They're in, they were supposed to be in Louisville this weekend, but now they're in, in Richmond instead. They're all over the place. And it's so much time. And she goes, daddy, I don't know if I'm going to do this part next year. I might just do school. Cause she doesn't have a desire to play in college. She does, she does. She knows that that would be very difficult. Her post high school stuff is very different than I need to go play volleyball in college. And I'm like, well, baby, if you don't want to do travel volleyball, no problem. I'm not going to press it her to do it. I'm not going to press her to quit it. I want her to make the decision, but if she's going to do it, she needs to be in it because she's making a commitment and, and, and be on it. But some of their friends, they don't drive, but it's literally because there is zero time to. Then there's the friends who yeah. don't drive just because they're lazy and they're not led to take action on anything. I want to reemphasize something you just did. You talked about your daughter saying, I don't want to do this. And you're, okay, this is something as a society of parents. We're a lot of, I watch a lot of parents, Josh, push their kids into more, more ball, more travel, oh, yeah. more, more this, do this, do that, do this. And, and 
there's no autonomy. They're not learning autonomy. Mm-hmm. Sure, they're excelling in all of these areas, but when they get burnt out, you know, what what's going to happen? And and I think there's a a real fine line there, giving them opportunity, but also giving them opportunity to bow out. Now, there I I have this this thing like once you commit, you got to finish the season yep, or you got to finish like there's there's this commitment thing, but then there's also this thing where we cannot try and implement our personality and our dreams and wishes in their lives. Yep. We've got to let them do their own thing. So I really yeah. respect you for that. As long um, as they're not like a moral failure, a character failure, unlike the adults who are investing into my kids, I would never pull my kids mid-season from something. It's like they make a commitment to their team. They got to go battle. So your coach yep. is an asshole. Hey, I don't care. It's your coach. Is is it inappropriate? Are they out of character? Is there if there's things like that? Like I I was coached hard as a kid. I don't mind coaches coaching. A lot of parents right. mind coaches coaching, you know? And so I'm going to let a coach coach. And we all know what the line should be, anybody with any type of reason. But short of a a, a moral character failure on the leadership of the team, like the coach's part, my kids, even if they want to, they're not bailing on something. They got to finish it out. And then you don't need to do it again next year because your commitment was to the team and your teammates. And you got to stick it out. And and so they do. But I think that's important as they get older, too. But I think it's the same thing with the parallel with your staff. It's like, oh, well, this dog's real hard. I don't, I'm don't. i like, well, you're a dog trainer. Do you think they're bringing you all the dogs that are just easy and well-behaved? I mean, well, I just I, is there another dog I can get instead to work? No, we're going to train this dog. And if I just like, sure, no problem. Let me go get this six month old chocolate lab for you. That doesn't have a care in the world. And is just whatever and easy peasy. What am I teaching that trainer? They're not getting better. I'm just doing what their parents probably did. And everybody else in their life is probably done. And it's like, if you want to grow wins, don't help you develop and grow. Getting punched in the face helps you develop and grow. Doing hard things helps you develop and grow. Losing helps you develop and grow. Being challenged helps you develop and grow. Because what happens is getting punched in the face, you know, being challenged, doing the hard things, you will complete more of those things than you won't. Now these challenges become wins. Your threshold, your tolerance for things becomes much higher. You know, and so you can get through it. But if every time it's hard, it's like, I just, you know, ew. I don't want to do that. Daddy, I'm not expected to go pick up dog poop like Logan did when I turned 16, am I? Like, actually, you are. You're going to go put some rubber gloves on, kid. You know, we're going to have to do that. And and it's like, I've done it now. I've done it. And so when there's a situation that requires me to do something gross or difficult, it's not, oh, what do I do? Be the leader in the moment. And the thing that's messed up is the cheat code to all this crap. And for the kids and anybody listening, like, the cheat code to all this is, just be the one who doesn't step back when something difficult shows up. Right. And the odds of you winning or being successful are tremendously higher because it doesn't necessarily require you to move forward. If you just don't move backwards, like everybody else has been taught and, and designed to do, you can get ahead without moving ahead. It's insanity. You just laid out one of my, our family values. This is live the way of the Buffalo. The Buffalo will see a storm coming and they'll turn towards it and yeah. they'll walk through it. Yeah. And this is exactly what you just said. You win that way. You get you get more fur on the front of you. You get more 
resilient. You learn how to win. You learn how to take losses and turn around and keep going. Yeah. And then when you turn your back like cattle do from the storm and walk away or run away, you're stuck in that shit for a long time yeah. and it might kill you. But you're you're not going to be strong. You're going to be beat. You're going to be you're going to yeah. be um, wanting to give up. And this is exactly what I find would change our society is that mindset you just talked 100%. about. 100%. Buffalo would be out here looking like cheetah yeah. for the last 50,000 years. They ran from stuff, but they're built like that yeah, for a reason. Exactly. And they come out the other side, and these idiots <laughs> are still running away from shit, and the buffalo are on the other side eating grass, <laughs> chilling, taking it easy. Because it's two it's, things go. Nailed it, brother. We're, we're out of it. But, yeah, it was funny as you're saying that. I was like, man, if a buffalo's been running for hundreds of thousands of years, they'd look like cheetah. That's I'm going to use that. I love that. Who's interested in looking at a buffalo looking cheetah? (laughs) (laughs) Cheetah (laughs) low. Oh, my God. That's funny, man. That's crazy. I love that for your family, though. And what a great, you know, visual representation, a core value for your family. But in in your listeners, you know, that's that's probably not the first time they've heard you say that. But it's the first time I'm hearing you say it. And I noticed it in the backdrop and on your hat. So now I was going to ask. And so that's big. And people really shouldn't dismiss that, what you just said so quickly, because that storm, that problem, that challenge isn't going to dissipate on its own. It's going to be there. It's going to be there and it's going to be a problem for you. And you're either going to address it or you're going to try to run from it, but eventually it's going to catch up to you. True character is learning how to address it, doing hard things to prepare yourself, yeah. put yourself in hard situations. And that was, that's one of these, my, my son, my oldest, I was telling you about, he's literally choosing the way of the Buffalo. He doesn't know, like physical labor isn't like normal for him. Yeah. He'll do it, but he's got to understand what to do. And he's real methodical. He's literally going up to Montana to work on a massive property where they're developing a golf course and houses. And I'm like, into the storm, bud, bud. and it's all his choice. I'm like, it's this going to be hard, but I know that that's going to build resilience, resiliency. And I, I truly believe he's choosing this on his own because we've had that vehemently value. That's awesome. And your, your son is choosing to, to move forward and and work in your business and learn things because that's got to be scary. It's not the easy way. He knows yeah. working with his dad's not the easy thing. No. Right. Yeah. So I, it, this is, this is how we grow champions. This is how we grow good human beings. And I, I love sure that you said so. that. I sure I, hope I so. love that you said that. I, <laughs> hey, the proof's in the pudding. It's coming real fast for both of us. <laughs> yeah. It it's is. coming real fast. But I, I believe that what you are doing is right and true and the best way. Because I've seen before I started the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast, I'll we'll close out and then I have a question for you. Yeah. Before I started, I contacted at least 50 men who had grown adult um, kids who were super successful. Yeah. Not necessarily successful in business, but successful in raising their own kids. Absolutely. Like I looked at their families. I'm like, okay. So I called it my legacy project. So I just literally interviewed all these guys that had done done parenting right. And I learned so many lessons and there's just some general qualities that are like pillars. They are, they are principles that will lead to success of the next generation. And so I know that what I'm doing, because I, I'm modeling it after, you know, 
what I've seen, my dad was a phenomenal, my parents were phenomenal parents. And, and I know that I, I will just give you right now. I know your kid's going to be amazing. Sure. They're going to screw up. They're going to do absolutely, stuff, but they're going to turn out like ridiculously well. And you're going to be, you're going to be so proud and your grandkids are going to be so amazing. And I'm just really stoked about that. We did not talk about <laughs> marriage, dude. Sorry. And you've been married for like 20 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to wrap it up, but I want to, I want to ask you, and it's, this is a really hard question to, okay. to just kind of throw at you, but think of one thing that you feel is a skill or something that every man should do to maintain a very healthy marriage. I always talk about the kids and it's really easy. And I don't talk about Devin a ton because I'll start crying. I learned a long time ago. You talk about protection and preparation. We talked about it earlier. Okay. I made some real bad decisions early on in our marriage thinking I was protecting her. Had I involved her and discussed with her, let her know that I don't have all the answers. Let her know that her young husband entrepreneur is screwing shit up and losing their money and failing um, and believing more in our relationship and her love for me than her vision of me having it all figured out, which wasn't her vision of me. It was my vision of me from her perspective. You know, I, I had to learn that real difficult. And I really believe anybody else would have left the version of me back then and should have and should have it just because of the dishonesty and stuff. Uh, but she didn't. She stayed with me and we worked through it. And I've worked really, really hard to rebuild that trust. And I have, and I have, and you know, there's a lot of involvement. She understands what's going on, but she still knows. I don't tell her everything. doesn't mean I have to be an open book. I'm the CEO of our businesses. She's a CEO of our family. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll chime in and give help when she needs it. I'll ask her for input on the business and stuff when I need it. I need that perspective, but I'm not coming in after the fact questioning her decision she made as the CEO of our family. And she's not coming in questioning the decision I made as a CEO of our, of our organizations. And so that is a great partnership that we have, but it's only come from being um, of having mutual involvement and not living every day off of what my perception of her, of me should be, but recognizing what it actually is. And at the end of the day, my wife met me when I had nothing. She loved me when I had nothing. She married me when we had nothing. She loved me very well when we had a lot. She loved me when we were bankrupt. And that's where, you know, I operate in a fearless kind of mindset, Scott, is that I know if I lost it all today, business-wise, my wife and kids still love me because not an ounce of their care and respect for me has anything to do with what I do for work and whether I, of what I provide for them. It's all a bonus. If the four of us are together, we're good. And so that one thing I think is transparency. And, and give them, give them what they need, you know, be, be honest and damn it, have sex with your wife a lot. You know, people like you get, they're so busy. You're so tired. Like, ha like have sex with your wife, you know, well, and prioritize those things. Like the physical part of a marriage. And I don't, we'll run another hour, man, if we jump into this, but like oh, my man, wife and we... I give my wife and I give one piece of advice to every wedding we go to. Okay. You know, you always got the board. You know, everyone wants you to write a, a lesson, a truth for the new couple. And we always write the same thing. And we've done this for 20 years. Do it and do it often. That's, and we put Josh and Devin. <laughs> so I'm so glad you're willing to talk about this. And we would go on for another hour or two if we dug into this. But here's something. I, 
I feel weird because I say this stuff all the time. I yeah. say that, Josh, to guys all the time. I'm like, like, dude, if you're not having sex a lot, you are screwing up because this is this reciprocal thing. When you receive sex, you operate in a different in a different level because mm-hmm. you are getting your needs net. When you're getting your needs net met, you're operating at a different level that's actually meeting the needs of your wife outside of that physical thing, yep. which is emotional intimacy. And now it's like a fire is in, once you've started that engine, it's yep. going to keep going. You've got the fire, the things yep. are firing, you're pouring gasoline on because when your needs are met and you're not angry and frustrated and you don't feel like you're conquering anything, right. which, you know, yeah. sure. right. Sure. Then, then you're not giving to your wife. So sometimes it just means major sacrifice and giving emotionally over and over again to your wife. And then your wife, this is true. This is a a husband act. Your wife is going to learn, Ooh, sex is, I'm going to start because a lot of women don't really enjoy it. And they say they're tired or whatever. Sure. I'm going to start giving to my husband and in reciprocation without even thinking about it, he's going to be giving my needs. And then it starts to cycle. And then all of a sudden I'm, and I'm, She's really enjoying sex, like the physical part. And now you've got, you're firing on all cylinders and you're a 12 cylinder and you are firing and you guys are in line and you're in lock lockstep. So I agree 100%. So many people think it's just this physical aspect and there's the, the emotional needs, the mental, the physical, and it's, it's an, it's just important. And when people come, cause we've been married for a minute, you know, and, and Devin was the third person I met when I moved to Virginia from Vegas. All right. In eighth grade. And we started dating our sophomore year of high school. So we've been together for a hot minute. All right. And so we got married after college. But, you know, the thing is, people are like, Josh, I just, you know, I'm thinking about leaving my wife. I'm thinking about doing this or my wife's leaving me. And, you know, first I tell them, like, look, I know you're coming to me. You know, I'm a believer. But if you're coming to me as the believer who's going to tell you to stay in this marriage, you're coming to the wrong guy. Because I'm going to take into consideration lots of different things. But I was like. How often are y'all having sex? It's the first thing I ask them. Like, well, we haven't been together in six months. I'm like, when is that last time you prioritized any time? Skip sex. When was the last time you just prioritized an evening for the two of you? Oh, gosh, we haven't done that in years. Like, you wonder why you two don't like each other. Ding, 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 like, ding. It's you, my, I, my, I love my kids, but they are not my number one person. My favorite person is my wife. Yes. My kids are tied for second. And very close third is my mother and my grandmother. <laughs> and then everybody else isn't even a close fourth. Thank you. I tell guys, if you aren't taking your wife, like this is this is a hack I have because my wife's a to-do list person. Yeah. And if I if so I have learned that if I a day before say, Hey, get everything done. You need the next two days off, I will drive her 30, 45 minutes away, take her to a hotel, completely completely like coddle her buy her anything she wants treat her and and it's like you're you're giving your car a tune-up yeah and then you know and so at least do a date something and and it's 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 not you got time for freaking everything and we're not great like i always say we need to have a weekly date night we have need to and we don't have that but we do we find other ways to make sure that we're getting time together and, and we're not perfect with it but we know when we're not we know that we got to reprioritize it and it's, it's just so important. It's so important. And people make everything else a priority and excuse away the person that you've committed to your life to. 
And I'm like, what are you doing? So anyway, you know, yeah. last thing I'll say is, Logan, Kiki, I talk about you guys all the time. Logan, I know you're listening. Kiki may at some point. I love you all. I'm proud of you all as can be. And you know your dad loves you and respects you. So don't, when I give you as examples, don't get pissed at me. It's just I could talk about you for, <laughs> for weeks on end. I love you both. I, that's awesome. Josh, man, I appreciate you so much. Um, Thank I'm you. I'm really glad you fell in my life. And I'm looking forward to knowing you for years and your team for years and your kids. So thank you for coming on, brother. Yes, thank you, Scott. Hey, guys. Uh, Josh has uh, training facilities all over the place. Check out the show notes. Click on the links. Find out where he's at. And for goodness sakes, get your dog into a good training program. <laughs> and um, and then do the things. Preparation over protection with your kids. That's such an important thing. Thank you for joining. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and follow us on social media. If you are a father, make sure you join our Facebook group, the Brotherhood of Fatherhood. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more podcasts from the Brotherhood of Fatherhood.